Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot of the limitations or issues that I see coming from mid to late career improvisers stem from people conflating the medium of improv with the genre of improv. This is the Improv Chronicle. I'm Lloydie. When I was in Sydney earlier this year, I met with improviser Jim Fishwick. They're the general manager of Jetpack Theatre, who do immersive, interactive, improvised work, a teacher with Improv Theatre Sydney, and currently the artistic co-director of the New Zealand Improv Festival. So what do they mean when they say that some improvisers are conflating the medium of improv with the genre of improv? If you look at something like musical theatre, uh, there was a genre of Broadway musicals that was dominant from, I don't know, the 20s um, through to the 60s or 70s, and to a certain extent still today. But then you get people like Sondheim, who are doing things that are still in the medium of musical theatre, but are an entirely different genre. Same thing with comic books. You've got your traditional detective comics sort of things going um, that are what people think of when you get comic books. But then there's Alison Bechdel or Neil Gaiman or Alan Moore, people who are doing things that are in the same medium, but tackling an entirely different genre. So to my mind, to come back to improv, uh, people get taught a certain style of improv, and they see that as being the right way to improvise or the only way to improvise when really what they're seeing is one genre of improvisation and it tends to be like a like the improv comedy genre um uh sort of shorter scenes faster jokes but you know it it can be any sort of uh, permutation of different elements but the fact that uh people see that they're the only thing comes from they seeing that style or that genre of improv being the same thing as the medium that the mechanics of accepting and making offers of moving a story or a scene or a game forward are the same thing as the style of as the whole medium of improv um, and so by disconnecting those two things and understanding what is the medium of improv more broadly, what are the different styles of improv within that, um, it frees you up and removes uh, self-imposed limitations on what you do. 
do you think some of that is a function of improv being a lesser known lesser i suppose developed uh art form compared to traditional theater in inverted commas or movies no uh i think it's a function of a lot of improv companies were started by one person who learned it somewhere else and then moved over and started a school uh teaching what they were taught and then they teach a lot of people and then one of those people goes like i don't like this i'm going to set up my own school in a different style and then that school just teaches that style me and my friend luke rimmelswan have this ongoing thing about a lot of improv teaching is done in like the apprentice model where there is one uh to use a traditional terminology master loaded word um and a bunch of apprentices who learn to improvise in the style of the master and then you get uh, out of that into the journeyman phase where you go and learn other things and expand your still skill set from there um so people are taught to improvise like their teacher Ra- and that's the other thing that leads to it is that you you sort of stay within your school and you uh, see the shows that happen at your school and you see the teachers at your school improvise and so you learn to improvise like then and you get a sort of Darwinian evolution um, over the course of that happening for uh, a couple of years. Hi, you're right. How are you doing? I'm good. I got all the way here. I hit all the traffic lights. Mm, There are many of them. Someone with a wide experience in both improv and scripted theatre is my friend Hannah Platts, who I play with in Rhymes Against Humanity, the improvised musical. So I went to see them in Leicester to get their take on this. I think it's quite compelling when you get really good at a certain thing to then start thinking, well, this is the height of this art form. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm really good at puns, so this is what improv is. But that's an example. Um, or, this is improv and that other thing is not really improv. Like, I've definitely heard people say, like, oh, well, that's not really improv. Like, oh, well, you know, certain games in short form, that's not improv. And it's like, well, you're making it up, so it is um but i think it's quite uh i think sometimes it's quite nice to feel like i've conquered this thing i'm on top of this mountain so this is what it means to me whereas actually when i'm doing workshops i say to people like people are afraid of improv because they think oh my god how can i make things up as i go along and really we're all improvising all the time like when you have a conversation with someone you don't have a script (laughs) So, like, wait, what? Oh, no, I've gone off script, Lloydie. Um, so, really, I think that it's much more freeing to embrace all the different types of what improv can be, which actually is one of the things that drew me to improv in the first place, um, because I come from an acting background, and there's very much a sense of um, having a casting type and how you're perceived by certain casting directors can just can affect how you're cast, obviously. Whereas in improv, I can play anything. I can be a dog. I can be a chair. I can be, like, the romantic lead. And it doesn't matter what you look like. You can be any gender. You can be any anything. So I think that flexibility, we should also apply to, like, how we improv, like, the genre of improv, because 
there's a lot of fun to be had out there. So, do you think people's fear then is holding them back from the fun? Because I think for some people, I've managed to conquer spontaneity. Yeah. Don't tell me there's another kind of spontaneity. Yeah, it's no. not. It's not my kind of spontaneity. Yeah, it's like well, I've well, I've done that now. I've ticked that off my to-do list. I'm really good at coming in with a punchline, so that's that's what improv is to me now, and I don't need to do anything else because I might not be perfect at it, and that's terrifying. But the whole point of improv is that it's not perfect. Like, when it's not perfect is when it's the most fun. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it might be a bit of fear, actually, but I think conquering that fear opens up so many doorways to, like, finding the little magical moments of weirdness that come with trying something out do you think this applies to audiences as well because i know people that have said to me for example when flyering at the edinburgh fringe oh i've seen improv i don't like it and i'm like what well, you haven't seen this show it could have been something totally different that you yeah. saw and and literally even um a show by the same group on a different day could be completely different um i think that's a sell that we have to try and make to audiences that aren't just improv audiences is that like it really is different every time <laughs> And different shows can be so different. Like, like our show is like an improvised musical, um, and I think that appeals to people who like musicals and people who like, you know, improv comedy. And it's very different to like. I'm trying to think of a different genre now, like like um, the improvised like crime scene thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, an improvised murder mystery. It's very different, but it's still really fun. And I think like convincing audiences that improv doesn't just mean improv one thing is actually a way to get more people to experience the wonders of our art form and actually one thing jim was saying that even within scripted musicals there were the traditional musicals of the 20s through to the 70s or even today but then also stephen sondheim has done something totally different and i i know from doing improvised musicals and improvised sondheim musicals which is another thing that i do they are two very very different shows yeah and even the people that you have in the show on that day can make it feel completely different can't it hello everybody my real name is will nami um, my stage name is MC Hammersmith. Um, I mean, you know me as Will, Lloydie, and we have done for the, well, mm. for the past 10 years or so, so I guess Will yeah. would be nice. Um, you've never called me anything else, so consistency works for me. I'm not going to call you MC. Yeah. Um, when people call me stage. MC, if they come, and it tends to be backstage at gigs, and they go, MC, MC, I'm like, ah, it's another comedian who I've never told my real name to, or I have, and they've forgotten. <laughs> it's like, we've only met once, and you don't know who I am. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> But they're too embarrassed to say, what's your actual name? Which uh, I totally respect. It's very funny, though. You play in a, a variety of different styles of improv show as well, don't you? Yes. Um, so the two main strands of things I do. Uh, the aforementioned rapping is when I, under the name MC Hammersmith, do short form improvised hip hop comedy. Um, so I do that in solo shows and at comedy clubs around the country. It's a solo endeavor. Um, I take suggestions from the crowd and then I improvise hip hop comedy tracks live on stage. Um, so it could be random words, random objects, um, stories from the audience, that sort of thing. And then short form style, I just turn them into a rap after the suggestions are taken. I also do some long form hip hop improv with Shamilton and Baby Wants Candy at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, that bleeds into the other sort of improv I do. Uh, the main group I do it with is called Spontaneous Potter, and that is an improvised Harry Potter show for adults. And that's long form 
narrative improv. So we just take a title of a Harry Potter book that doesn't exist, Harry Potter and the something, and we turn that into a uh, hour and 45 minute uh, Harry Potter comedy play live on stage with musical accompaniments. And you know this full well because you've done that show with us many times yourself, Lloydie. Yeah, it's always a joy to step into as well. I always have the most fun because, I mean, I know Harry Potter, but I don't know Harry Potter like you guys do. So Yeah, it's uh, nice to announce to the crowd, like, he's seen the first film, we think, um, and it's nice oh, to play up to that ignorance. Oh, so do you get frustrated when people go, um, oh, improv is this one thing? Like, that's not how you do improv. This is improv. Yeah. Because there is an amount of that. Yeah. Um, there are. Oh, I'm already... I'm already getting into shit flinging and I absolutely shouldn't say what's what's in my head. So I'm going to try and paper it under lots of degrees of anonymity. I have seen yeah, various yeah. posters at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'm trying not to use the actual quote because they'll know who I'm referring to. And I, I don't want to cause beef where I don't want to cause it because they're all lovely people, really. But it's when shows go, this is real improv or this is actual improv or this is the resemblance to what real improv has to be or something like that there are punchier mm-hmm. quotes that exist and I'm, I'm trying to be very diplomatic but that does irk the improv nerd in me it's fair to say because improv is so codified and weird and traditional amongst improv theaters anyway right like all this business of the dream the herald and this is the way you should do it and it has to last this long and all the conventions that make a paying audience go, what on earth is going on? And sort of mystifies it for them and detaches them from just enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's already enough of a cult and a pyramid scheme in the culture, like as it is. And <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just codifying it with weird traditions and gatekeepers saying it has to be like this is um, fundamentally backwards for, you know, both the people that perform it and the audience that want to see it and understand it. I remember when I was 21, I took my, uh, at the time, my partner to see a Harold night at UCB in New York. We were there for 10 days in New York. And I said, let's go see what's on at UCB. And it was a Harold. And like, I didn't realize that I don't think till we sat down. And I went, oh, I've not actually explained to her what a Harold is. I wonder if she's going to enjoy it. And the lights went down, show happened. And it was very good. And at the end, I went, what do you think? And what did you think? And any opinions on it? And she went, I think I enjoyed it because I laughed a lot, but I had no idea what was going on. And it was very confusing. And that, that was a real bugbear for me. <laughs> it's like, I totally get that because <laughs> like, how can you enjoy something when there are a hundred question marks floating above it? Like, yeah. So yeah, the more mystery and codification around it, the, the worse it is. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I reckon. So what's a healthy way out of improvisers conflating improv the medium with a particular improv genre? Back to Jim. There isn't one. Um, it's uh, about the way that concepts are taught i think it's uh teachers being able to teach in a way that says this is one this is one way of approaching things um it's about uh teaching a a, a tools based approach to skills that um if you want to have a fast-paced show do sweep edits and tag edits because they have a sort of like punchline rhythm to them. They end a scene, we start another one. Uh, if you want to have a slower show, uh, you can do f- crossfade edits or you can do organic edits or all these different things. Um, but what happens is that teachers will say like, okay, here's how you edit. Uh, one person runs across the stage and that's the end of the scene and then we start another scene. And that's a very different thing. And it's not just improvisers who conflate, of course. Many of us have experienced audiences doing the same, as Hannah explains. Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, I've had multiple times, uh, like after a show, like, um, I'm in a two-prov called Date Night, which is an improvised history show, and we'll come off stage and someone will come up to us and go, oh, um, I hate improv, but that was, I like that. Like, that was good. And I'm like, what do you mean by you hate improv? Like, you saw one show by one group, like, five years ago, and you were like, this is rubbish. <laughs> All of improv is rubbish. And then suddenly they see something that's different and they're like, oh, oh, actually, that's fine. So I think... Yeah, I think we are in danger of like clump- being clumped together too much. Whereas actually it's like, what is improv? It's such an umbrella term. But... It is, and if you've seen, I don't know, a bunch of Armandos and you've yeah. been told that that's improv and you, that's not a form you gel with, or if you've seen, I don't know, a bunch of improvised musicals and you're like, oh, that's a bit jazz-handsy for me, that's not yeah. all improv, is it? No, exactly. That's like That's such a small facet of what improv can be. And I think people can be too quick to like close their minds off to that. Then they're like, "Oh well, that's not for me. I don't like that kind of like Cambridge fit like see humour. So like that's so improv in its entirety is not for me. Whereas actually improv can be so many things. It can be like little character driven, like um, quite intimate pieces, or it can be like big, massive, like showstopper stuff, or it can be so many things that. And that's where the joy of it lies. <laughs> I went to the Nottingham uh, Improv Festival, the Robin Hood Festival. Don't know if you've heard of it. 
Um, um, yeah, I, I think I know one of the organizers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, when I was there, there was a group from somewhere in Europe and their sort of English as a second language, like fluency wasn't 100%. So they made the creative decision to do their show in gibberish. Do you know the truth I'm talking about? Yes, um, that was um, the Estonian group. Estonia, uh, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Improv Theatre Imperium. That's it, yeah. Um, they're showing gibberish. And, you know, if it weren't for, like, like, the language barrier, they wouldn't have developed that form. And I was sat there going, a show in gibberish? I thought that would be dog shit. And it was great. <laughs> but then I realised, like, especially yeah. this conversation, like, oh, I've had those moments as an improviser going, nah, that's not what improv is. That's going to be terrible. You need to speak at least an entire, like, half an hour in gibberish. Oh, it's going to be really difficult. Um, I've seen loads of stuff um, that has surprised me, like, in small ways since. I mean, do you know Ibu Giardini, the Italian troupe? No. Um, well, they came to the Fringe about 10, 11 years ago, and they... Again, we're like, we are native Italian speakers. I think they felt their English as a second language fluency, again, wasn't up to 100%. They were like feeling less confident they could improvise in English for a month. So they went, we'll do an improvised silent film. So they erected a huge gauze like in front of the stage. You know the one I'm talking about, right? I do know the one you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it was... Uh, it was incredible. And they had this ragtime pianist who was awesome. And in order to do like the physical stunts you would see in a silent film, they use their hands for a lot of them. So two fingers walking across their palm, that would represent like the camera zooming out and then running off cliff tops and stuff. And I've never seen anything like that before. Never seen it. And I went, you can do this. You're like, you can make things up by substituting like your body for just your hands and it still works and the crowd are on board and it's that inventiveness that comes from you know smashing right up against the wall of the opinion that this can't be done or like we have to figure out a workaround or like just because improv is done in a (laughs) traditionally in this country two people standing in an 11 and talking to each other about stuff (laughs) like rather than you know anything physical or musical or creative or surprising it doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, it's, yeah, I think if you think what well, improv can't be done with X, Y, Z, I think that's the reason to try and do it because you'll probably invent or at least discover or add like a new tool to your belt, which is, yeah, a wonderfully freeing and enjoyable. I mean, the best improv shows I've done have felt like they are almost falling apart, but they are so wonderful and funny and delightful because you found something new, right? That's what the best improv is. So maybe, yeah taking that analogy from being in a fun improv scene to the format of a show where even the format itself is surprising and weird and unusual and new to you and to the audience. That's where the joy of it probably lies for me. How else do we work at this? Here's Jim again. Uh, This extends to having an awareness of people's different play styles that you get some slower players who need more time to think and then respond or that are more physical you get faster players who are able to come up with the punchline quickly uh, value all of them equally um, uh, because the breadth of that is going to make your show better and your ensemble better Um, a lot of the idea of sort of tools not rules is explored in Patty Styles' book Improvise Freely, um, which I highly recommend, not just because I edited it. 
Um, it's I, I think it's quite good if I do say so myself. I get, I get no money from it being sold. I just get joy that people are reading it. And I've put a link to the book in the show notes for this episode. You can get the world of improv delivered to your inbox every week when you subscribe to the Improv Chronicle newsletter. Just go to improvchronicle.com for more. And if you like what we're doing here, consider following us on your podcast subscriber and leaving a rating and review. Those make a huge difference and help the podcast get discovered. Donate to support this podcast using the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can get in touch via the website. It would be great to have you as part of the production. For previous episodes and for transcripts, check out the website, improvchronicle.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.